Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Season 7, episode 42. Fred Van Lente and Red Dot Diva. Welcome to Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. My name is Leonard Sultana, and each and every Wednesday and Sunday we talk comics, comic cons, pop culture. Um, how the world has come to a screeching halt. How the world is starting to reboot the engine, and uh, what we've all been doing throughout the pandemic. It's certainly also um, a a place where we can come together as a co uh, comics and Comic-Con community. Uh, it's definitely turned into uh, that kind of group hug on a Wednesday and a Sunday. It's all about you guys on the um, the the chat. Please do jump in. If you are watching this on Facebook, please do chat me. Uh, do put a comment in, if anything, so we know that you're watching because uh, we have been having some issues with the uh, Facebook uh, comments. I just want to make sure that those are coming through. Um, Stuff we're going to talk about a little bit later, including um, we're going to touch on it on this uh, conversation about uh, DC uh, making that uh, grand announcement about their relationship with Diamond. We're going to get into all of that. A uh, couple of comic conventions still being very bullish about their uh, um, going forward with their um, misadventures. And, of course, we're going to talk about uh, London Film and Comic Con, which did announce that they were cancelling this week. We'll get into all of that in a little news section at the back end of the show. But we have ourselves some great guests, so I'm looking forward to introducing you to Tina Gann, also known Hi. as Red Dot Diva, um, on social media. Hello there, Tina. How are you? Hello. How are you? Hello. <laughs> now, um, whereabouts are you in the world? Because Singapore. It's Singapore where you are. So I'm in the future. Remind me, you're in the future. It's Monday morning for you. Um, one I one a.m. or two a.m. One a.m. No, yeah. One a.m. Okay. So if this was happening a little, yeah. I mean, we were talking about this earlier on in the week, yeah. thinking it was probably going to be two o'clock in yeah. the morning, and uh, there was that fear that <laughs> it was going to be like three o'clock when we were all wrapping up, and that's the last thing you need. Uh, but there we go. Uh, but you know, it's great to have you along. Thank you very much indeed for joining us, Tina. And we have the excellent, most excellent Fred Van Lency joining us. Hello, Fred. How are you, sir? Hey, pretty good learning. Thanks for having me on. Oh, hello. Yep, I'm here. It's not too... It's a, Oh yeah, it was a lost kind of lost you a little bit there. I wasn't too sure if that's me or you, but uh, you're here. We can hear you. It's fantastic. Yay. It's good to have you here. Um, you're here. Yay! Um, last last time I spoke to Fred was, um, I believe MCM London. Yeah. Um, we were talking right. about the con artist book, and we're going to talk about that as well because why more comic artists and comic writers and publishers and Comic-Con fans weren't talking about that book when it got released. I have no... There it is! My signed copy's upstairs. Look at that thing, right? Oh, if not... Also okay, audio guys, If you've not read this... <laughs> what? Excuse me? Also an audiobook form. Okay, that I didn't know about. That I didn't know about. Okay. I know we're on directly after this. Oh, I'm, I'm up for that. Who's read it for you? Fred. Do it. Sorry, one more time. Uh, you're not, you are also breaking. Yeah, up you are glitching. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. I'm hoping it's my. Um, yeah, who, who's. Oops, we lost you there for a while. Yeah, once again, sorry. Is it, is it me? Yeah, we lost you there for a while. <laughs> oh, man, I might. Hang on a second. Let me just. No, it's, the connection's all fine. Um, okay, we'll try again. One last time. Who's read the book for you? Uh, you know, I'm blanking. Roger Wayne, who's excellent. Okay, then me. Excellent. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll look for listening to that because the book's a great read, but I'm curious to see how it works in audiobook Six form because it comes with... Wow. Because it comes with, like, comic sketches in the book, so how that works in an audiobook form. Oh, yeah. Probably I don't doesn't. know. I mean, the the actual <laughs> wonderful Tom Fowler sketches get described pretty, you know. Uh, there's an example of one. Pretty well. Uh, pretty oh, well yes. in the text. But, but I don't want to keep Tina up too past her bedtime. So we'll, <laughs> so we'll talk about my stuff we'll, later. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, absolutely. I um, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, first, uh, I think it's best to just start with um, – the, the the situation we're all in with the pandemic, with the lockdown. Uh, I mean, we were talking very briefly before uh, we came on about um, where we are in terms of lockdown. Um, I, I mean, Fred, you're based in New York, I believe. I am New York City. Yeah, so you're well and truly in it. Um, and Tina, where are you, and where's Singapore in terms um. of um, lockdown at the moment? Well, the, the government didn't dare to say that it was a lockdown, so they kind of softened the message to say that it was a circuit breaker, kind of like an on-off switch. <laughs> so right. um, we were on circuit breaker for about uh, 56 days, about nearly a month, uh, two months. Uh, they extended it once midway. And then um, just this Tuesday, I think they allowed people to go back to work, but the working from home is supposed to be still the default uh, method, but uh, so those manufacturing factories, uh, they are allowed to open. And there were a lot of rules concerning, you know, public transport and of course masks, uh, wearing is a, a definite must and there are legal uh, repercussions during this pandemic. There were a lot of laws that were passed during this time as well. So, um, they are hoping that the cases will be stable and go down within these couple of weeks. Uh, although we have a lot of cases mainly from our migrant workers. And right. so um, that was a cause of concern actually for, for about 98% were foreign workers. They were living in dorms, uh, in very crowded dorms. So the disease just spread really quickly. Uh, fortunately, though, the the strain that they got was not as serious. Most of them didn't suffer very much from the symptoms or the disease, and our death rate is really low. So they are hoping that maybe they'll have this, they call it now phase one reopening. Hopefully, there'll be phase two <laughs> reopening, where that maybe you can meet with people, maybe five in a group or something like this, and then maybe some dining will be allowed to be open. We're hoping. We're hoping. Well, I mean, it sounds... I mean, it, from what I've been hearing, uh, certainly from, uh, uh, from our kind of news, uh, that it's been something that has been 
taken seriously and when rules have been put in place, they've been yeah. enforced. Over here in the UK, it's a little bit woolly. Um, it's uh, kind of, um, uh, yeah, it's indeterminate. You, you kind of have to go to a website every day to find out what rules are in place today. Uh, it's a little bit uh, in in uh, a little bit of flux at the moment. The the, yeah. the information from the uh, the people it's we're supposed the, to trust. It's the same. I think some of us were complaining that the government was changing rules at, at certain points as well, like mask, no mask, you know. And then they were saying that oh, maybe the kids going back to school can wear shields, but then now they say that. Uh, who was saying that masks uh, skills are not enough, so they changed it again. So, yeah, there was a little bit of this, but uh, generally, um, there were these really detailed, strict guidelines. It was like a micromanager's dream or something like this. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and for yourself, Fred, I mean, we uh, certainly here in the UK, we hear about um, New York being the center of the pandemic uh, in inverted comics, capital C, capital P. Um, but when it comes to life in New York, what's it currently like at the moment? Well, in addition to the pandemic, as I'm sure you both know, we've had a, a very much needed political uprising going on here simultaneously. <laughs> so uh, the government sort of foolishly decided to impose a curfew. Uh, so we've been dealing with that. There was an eight o'clock curfew, which is essentially sundown this time of year since Tuesday. That's been lifted finally today. Um, so it's been a little intense. A um, lot of helicopters, a lot of, lot of cops in the street. Um, you know, I think the good news pandemic wise is that the curve has been more or less successfully flattened. Uh, New York City is actually supposed to begin its phase one of reopening on Monday. So uh, we'll see. Um, but right. I was just out there. The, the police streets, pretty intense. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've definitely had some, uh, you know, windows smashed on storefronts and kind of minor vandalism in, in my neck of the woods. But, but for the most part, it's been thousands and thousands of people uh, peacefully protesting and uh, peacefully marching, as they rightly should, for the Black Lives Matter movement. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, certainly when I, I don't know if you've seen the video that went viral of the uh, the actress playing herself three months ahead in the future that comes back in time and not wanting to too much, do too much with the butterfly effect, but there's a conversation about what has happened over the last three months and obviously quite rightfully it blows um, January person's mind. But then there's the follow-up um, video, which is very much the same thing where it's a case of the world just seems to be changing on a weekly basis. It's just the fact that we are barely into week, uh, month six of 2020, yeah. and it feels like we've had two or three years of this. It's just right. been uh, insane. Um, yeah. In terms of kind of creativity then, uh, I mean, especially this week, especially with what's happening um, in, in the streets uh, with uh, the protests, when I've spoken to people, uh, creatives that have come on the show, um, they it was certainly during pandemic, it was a case of, hang on a second, being locked in a room, um, no, getting no sleep, um, having strange dreams. That's pretty much what I do as a comic creator anyway. Uh, so there's kind of there's that uh, that uh, got said. But um, for yourself, how has it been in terms of 
just being motivated to create things uh, throughout the last two months? Well, I mean, what I've been telling people is I've been training for quarantine my whole life since I'm kind of a bookish introvert who never left this room in the first place. So really, I am primed. Like, this is like, you know, this is like being a survivalist in a in a zombie apocalypse, right? So I, I, uh, I've done, I, I, I don't mean to gloat, but I've split, slept better during this pandemic than I have in a long time, partly because, you know, Honestly, every the competition. A lot of this creative life is competition, and once everyone's shut down, and once no one else is doing anything, and either you have this great weight lifted off your shoulders, um, and if you're a person who is maybe motivated by the validation of others, or you know, uh, competing, I guess is the better word. If you're the sort of person who needs social competition to thrive, then this is probably really tough for you. I've always been a huge weirdo, just kind of lives in his own little <laughs> bubble and has very eclectic interests anyway. So I, I, it's very hard for me to compare my work to anyone else's. So I've just kind of kept on carrying on, you know. Uh, I, my uh, oft uh, partner in crime, Brian Dunlap, and I were doing a Kickstarter right when the, the lockdown happened. So that actually kept me distracted, you know, and kept me sort of motivated since we'd been doing it for a couple weeks before everything went into shutdown mode. So that was very helpful. Uh, there's a lot of interest right now in, in animation. So some of my work has been approached from the animation standpoint because obviously people can make animation now. You don't need to get up 200 people in an area, in a soundstage or on location or whatever to shoot a film or shoot a TV show, we we are wherever, you know. Uh, We're so gonna see an animation boom at the end of this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to see it. It's it's currently in motion, you know. So it's uh, it's been. Um, I mean, what I always tell people is that the the motivation for creating creative work always has to come in here. So, and you kind of have to uh, do it regardless of what your personal surrounding circumstances are. So, uh, I guess I've kind of practiced what I preached, and and and. I've just kind of kept going, you know. I've been so productive, I'm kind of literally running out of things to do. <laughs> I hope the comic book industry start back, starts back up again. I've actually picked up some jobs since this since the pandemic started, but still, like, I kind of like, I'm just, maybe I'll go fishing. I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of uh, running out of, uh, I've kind of banged everything out at this point. So we'll see. Well, the the Kickstarter, which I'm guessing uh, we're talking action presidents, yeah. Uh, the Kickstarter was um, for a book called that, the uh, History of Animation, which is a sequel to my book, The oh, Comic okay. Comics, and was done by my action president's uh, comrade uh, Ryan Dunleavy. But yeah, that it, that was a book about the history. Of, ironically enough, since suddenly we're there's going to be this animation boom, we we're doing a book on the history of animation comic book. And how long has that taken to uh, come to fruition? Uh, I think we we were talking about it as of last year, early last year, and so I researched it most of last year. And Ryan fin just finished the first issue. That went out to our backers. I'm about ready to finish the script, the third issue. So there's five issues. So it's, you know, it's chugging along. We really wanted to go to Japan to research it, but I, and I was all oh, this close to booking flights because – Friends, flights to Asia are really cheap right now. <laughs> like, really, really cheap. Like, I almost like well, I was gonna book hotels in in uh, in Tokyo. The Tokyo hotels are just nuts cheap. But uh, um, given the predictions of a fall resurgence of the virus, I was like, meh, meh probably. Yeah. 
I should stay put. Well, I mean, I'm, yeah, I that's probably yeah. a wise idea. I mean, we're going to, uh, I mean, certainly I wanted to talk to you about your convention history and the fact that this year has effectively been, certainly up to October, November time for the moment, pretty much being wiped clean uh, when it comes to the conventions. I was going to talk to you, uh, well, I will talk to you about the shows that you were intending to do. But certainly for yourself, Tina, you are somebody that um, not only is involved uh, in the Singapore uh, Comics and Games, I, I want to say the Singapore Comics and Games Expo? No, no I've got that. I've changed their name now because of the lengthy name that everybody trips over. So it's <laughs> synced up with all the rest of the read comic cons that they are doing, and it's just now called Singapore Comic Con. Uh, they they okay. launched that name last year. I'm not sure what's going to happen this year due to all these that's happening. Yeah, but Indeed. let's hope, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, like I say, I mean, the last time I saw you was um, Star Wars Celebration. You're somebody that, um, when she can, she puts the uh, air miles on and just <laughs> go to uh, conventions when she can. I mean, this year has been pretty much scrubbed clean. What were yeah, you going yeah. to be heading up to? Yeah, what were uh, you going, going to be? For, uh, Star Wars Celebration Anaheim, but uh, they haven't announced whether it was going on or not without that it would be, you know, uh, going on, but people are still hoping. Whatever it is, I don't think I'll be able to go because I don't feel safe. And right. um, the, I think the rule now is still no essential traveling unless you're doing business or some important matters. And also, if you come back, there'll be quarantine for you. I'm not going to have a two-week quarantine. And if I get sick, I have to pay for my own hospitalization bills. Right now, the government's footing for it. So in likelihood, even though if it's going on, I'm not flying there. <laughs> Fair enough. That's yeah. understandable. And for yourself, Fred, I mean, you're, I mean like I say, we, we met in London. Uh, you are somebody that will put the air miles on if required. Um, where were you intending to go this year? What cons were on the cards? Uh, I was, this was going to be an off con year for me. I had, I had booked uh, Philly oh. and um, New York Comic Con, and both of those are technically still going on on paper. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, um, we'll see if, if any of that actually comes to comes to pass. I think New York Comic Con is traditionally mm -hmm. early October. Yep. Um, and Philly was supposed to be late August. Both of those, I you know, both of those. Philadelphia is a three-hour train ride for me, so it's very close. It's very simple to do. There's no air travel involved in either of those. Um, but uh, you know, I I I could um, not. A, I've been to so many comic cons, I could do without <laughs> for a year. No offense to the subject matter of the show, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it sucks not to be able to see people and, you know, it's yeah. a huge part of the culture and huge part yeah. of interacting with fans and stuff. I'm not someone, I know a lot of people are hurting right now and we're really upset. Like, if you remember back, you know, to the dinosaur age when Emerald City in Seattle was canceled, a lot of people were very upset because a lot of their income uh, is based on convention going. Fortunately, I'm not one of those folks. Uh, but I can certainly say that's going to be super, uh, that's going to, a lot of folks are going to struggle with replacing that lost income. I mean, for the pair of you, I mean, like I say, it's international travelers to conventions. Um, I'm really curious to see, because certainly we've got London Film and Comic Con, which is now technically going ahead later on in the year. 
Um, but we're, I mean, they're putting on a massive international talent pool um, coming from the US. Um, can I, I'm curious what, from the perspective of two people, number one, who, who goes to international cons and f uh, somebody who attends international comic cons, um, can you imagine what, what the convention landscape is going to look like um, with people either refusing to get on a plane to travel internationally, like you say, Tina, you're, you're concerned about uh, your safety when it comes to traveling abroad. Um, what, I mean, what, what's your thoughts on it when it comes to the international convention landscape? Uh, we'll go with Tina first, I think. <laughs> uh, I think people like me will be quite wary at first because some of these hotspots are actually worse than where we are right now. And we just don't know whether we feel safe enough to get a plane, spend the money, and then maybe over there at the other end, they are still not open to visitors from this country, and then you'll get stuck at the airport or they have to turn back. Uh, I mean, this is just like a huge amount of costs that you're actually risking just to go there. I think most of us would rather wait, wait, wait till the things improve or the vaccine is available and then uh, if not in large crowded places, I mean, there's definitely going to be cases. And the thing is that with this virus, you don't know how or when you will be able to, you know, get infected because there's so many possibilities. Maybe people, it may be surfaces, it may be from someone that you, you know, don't even know or just brush against you in a public transport. So it's just like the risk is just there. and. With that many people, it's just multiplied <laughs> by the number yeah. of factors. Yeah. Sure. Um, very cool. I will. I mean, I'll, I'll ask the question of you, Fred, in a second. But just to follow that up, um, Tina, um, what is the current landscape for conventions in Singapore and in um, uh, in that region of the world? Uh, I mean, which, which which is the one? Which is there any any shows which are still scheduled to go ahead at this point? No, actually, everything is cancelled because the government said that no yeah. uh, large-scale events are to take place at this time until further notice. And even like sports and stadiums, uh, the events and the halls are closed. So they are not able to hold uh, such events at all. Um, most of them have considered themselves to be cancelled for these few months. Uh, even for the big, the really big event called F1 Racing, they are also not sure if that's going to happen, even though you'll bring lots of tourist dollars or whatever. Um, we are not sure because they are, the, the government is really taking more of a precautionary measures than uh, risking, you know, things like this. So I don't so know. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that it's not uh, uh, very much like the case here in the UK and in the US and in Western conventions where um, organizers are announcing things which could be cancelled down the line, say October, November, December. Yeah. Events are just at this point unilaterally just cancelled. Yeah, point. nobody's announcing wow. anything. Those that announced previously or know, know that usually this thing is going to happen at this time, they they are they really considered themselves cancelled. And I think earlier on there was a um, illustration arts fest that was supposed to be held in April. But also because they felt that if they were to continue during that time, 
it was before the circuit breaker was announced. So it was like, if I were to, if they, they, they told me that if they were to continue that, and then, you know, if somebody were to get sick, uh, would they get sued, you know, or will some legal suit come after them? Uh, and it, they are just right. like poor laymen or illustrators that have no money to put for legal fees, you know. So it's like, it's safer just to cancel. And for the safety of everyone, it's just for the better good, so. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's the same question to you then, Fred. I mean, it, in terms of the international conventions, I mean, having international guests, or even, I, I'm even thinking domestic guests traveling yeah. to, say, New York Comic Con. Um, and I mean, if, say, um, if San Diego, if San Diego had, um, sorry, go on, carry on. No, complete your thought about San Diego. I mean, if San Diego had still, October, November, which was kind of on the cards, I understand. Um, would that be something that you would even consider getting on a plane and attending in 2020? No. I wouldn't. I personally, as a guest, no. probably wouldn't do plane travel for, um, yeah, to, 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 and it's not even so much, you know, the, Plane travel, because plane flight, you know, it, plane travel is relatively hygienic given the way the air is circulated and everything else. And there's definitely things the airlines can do to sort of separate you in seats and stuff. Yeah. I just more worry about a convention. You know, all of us made jokes about con crud for mm -hmm. years and years and years. That's a real thing. If, you, if you've got 100,000 people crammed into a single space, that's just a, a giant Petri dish, you know? The, the convention organizers here in the U.S. are kind of in a, in a bind because our government, unfortunately, is run by corrupt morons and who have never formally made this. The, the federal government in the United States attitude about the pandemic is, yeah, it's bad. It's not that bad. I don't know. They, so a lot of these guys, particularly the big corporations like Reed, are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because I don't know how their, insurances or their insurance money is going to get triggered if the government doesn't declare this a national emergency or, or something like that, right? So, uh, yeah. So they're kind of. Furthermore, they're in an even tougher spot because you know these days the big attractions to these cons are guys who are on TV shows and movies. And if I'm an actor on a, on a show, do I really want to put myself in a situation where I'm you know having to t touch people, <laughs> several thousand people to take photos and so forth over a weekend? It just seems like. The, the, the you know it's too risky you know so I think convention organizers are there they they have both uh, you know yeah the, the, as Andrew says exactly yeah. I, I'm lucky I got concrete exactly once it was from New York Comic Con it was like eight years ago I I feel like I've got an iron immune system for a variety of reasons but anyway uh, so I'm very lucky in that regard and also I don't have as much fans if, as you know Norman Reedus or somebody is just <laughs> Do I really, if I'm Norman Reedus, do I really want to put my health at risk, you know, for, I don't know how much dough these guys make, particularly the guys who are still actually well, yeah. on shows, you know, I'm sure they make a penny, but, but, you know, what, what, how do I balance the lost income versus the, you know, their viral risk is much higher than me, you know, who's sure. a fraction of the people, you know, be, it's dangerous just being in there. So. There's the government. There's the there's the legitimate health risk, but then there's also the the impulse to keep it open because you know Reed's get you know for all the if they've sold table space and they booked 
you know, the Javits Center in New York City, for example, or one of the other venues. Um, I think Reed runs a show in Singapore, don't they? Oh, uh, yeah, that's the Singapore yeah. Comic Con. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they 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 paid for all these these venues, you know, and and it's like they're kind of on the hook for that. So, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm like you say. I think I've been particularly lucky. I mean, I think I got hit once at uh, MCM London, but being the consumer professional, it's you Red Bull. Yeah. No, 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 no. I was. <laughs> I sure I, I, I kept my distance. It was um, paracetamol, Red Bull, and just barrel through. Um, I think at San Diego, I've been lucky enough to avoid it, but that's purely, I think, just down to um, tequila. Just kill it dead. Right. Just, just, just hit it and just kill it dead. Being um, and having concrete are two very different things. <laughs> this is very, 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 very true. Uh, yeah, doing um, Thursday morning. Uh, fully hungover. Not a wise idea, but there we go. Um, with, when I've spoken to people on the, the show um, in the, over the last couple of months, it's been a real 50-50 split between uh, people who have been consuming stuff uh, off their shelves and kind of rediscovering um, kind of content. Because at the moment, we're just getting, it's just reams of uh, digital streaming, YouTube channels, left, right, and center. I mean, Fred, you're, uh, the amount of podcasts I'm certain that you are currently doing is uh, a fair few. Um, but Still this month for some reason. Um, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been a 50-50 split between people consuming and rediscovering old uh, material and kind of taking, uh, taking that on board, or people who have been kind of really looking into the future and looking at uh, new stuff and kind of striving forward. I mean, obviously with yourself, Fred, you've got uh, plenty of projects on the go, but what, what's it been for yourself in, when it comes to, when you do get that time to just sit on the couch, is it going for comfort food at this point or well, looking I, a little I, bit more optimistic? I really love sports, specifically baseball. So that's actually been kind of the roughest for me is missing basketball and baseball, something that I would spend a lot of my time consuming, you know? So, uh, I've been doing a lot. Of, I've been doing a lot of. I've been reading a bunch of books. Uh, I've been alternating. I read a novel and then I finish it, and then I read a nonfiction book. I read a really interesting book uh, about uh, British submarine warfare during World War II called "The Game of Wolves and Wrens." It's very well done. It's about the Wrens, who were the female British naval volunteers who ran this war game that sort of revolutionized sub-warfare and how Britain was able to defeat the German U-boat attacks on their shipping. And it's set sort of during the that very precarious period when Pearl Harbor hadn't happened. And so Britain was kind of by itself, you know, against the Axis and yeah. sort of and how they kind of counteracted the German and it was all through this what it, it was essentially battleship right the you sunk my you know A15 yeah. you know uh, it's like that only slightly more sophisticated but only slightly more in these and they these like 19 20 21 year old women were running these simulations with these board games and they they got better at it than actual naval commanders <laughs> uh, but that's a terrific book it's called a game of uh, it's a game of wolves and wrens or Birds, no, birds and wolves. Guys, Google it. You'll figure it out. <laughs> I chose, it's, it's in my upstairs bookcase. Otherwise, I'd go. I'd show it to you right now. Uh, but uh, they had a they had a uh, they had a sale on Assassin's Creed Odyssey. They're fifteen bucks the weekend that started, and I've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey for three months straight. 
Wow. But it's definitely, a, it was an excellent $15 investment. I've worked for Ubisoft. There's good, they're good guys. I've done it Assassin's Creed comics. I do like that. That's the Greek, so, the ancient Greek one. Fair enough. So the, the whole Animal Crossing has managed to completely pass you by. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm too old, man. I can't, I just, I also like, I, I hate my phone so much. Like the less time, if the less I have to deal with this piece of garbage, the better, as far as I'm concerned. So I'm, I'm old school. I'm, I'm, I, I have my analog dead tree books and my ancient console video games that I actually have to put on my television. For my, for myself, I, I'm I'm looking backwards. I'm looking at uh, the the runs of comics that I've I've got, and I'm getting older and older as the the, the, the months go uh, months and weeks go on. So I mean, I started with like doing the uh, the Tom King Mister Miracle the Vision runs, and then I uh, went a little bit further back and went through my Justice League and Justice League International uh, oh. collection. And now I think I'm halfway through my Miracle Marvel Man collection. I'm going through those, so I'm going go. a little bit earlier and further and further back. I'm just, uh, I, I'm, I seem to be going backwards at this point because, like I say, if I just turn on my notifications and subscriptions on YouTube alone, I get swamped. I just, I'm just lost. Uh, for yourself, Tina, what's what's been your um, lockdown? Yeah, so far? well, I'm still working, so work from home, um, and uh, because my current company cut my hours so but I was lucky enough to get a side hustle so I was kind of like one and a half jobs working from home um, uh, other than that uh, I think our local creatives have kind of got into the idea got on board more than previously on live streaming so can I share about some of the things that are being done um, oh. there was a project that was uh, uh, promoted in the Singapore Comic Con in December. Now that's a really interesting one that I'm quite uh, excited about as well, because um, the su superhero uh, culture in Singapore is not as great as the Americans, maybe because I don't know why we just aspire to save the world or something. But anyway, um, the tokusatsu uh, kind of genre is very popular in the Japanese kind like Ultraman, Godzilla, Kamen Rider. So um, there's a community uh, hosted, I mean, like founded by three people. Um, they, their names are Basil, uh, Mingyao, and Ideal. So they have been forming this community for quite a long time and they had a passion project. So they started uh, an idea that there would be a Tokusatsu a Singapore superhero. Um, and they managed to get uh, the character design, they got the, the suit done as well, and a, kind of like a story framework. I think they originally wanted it to be a web series, uh, but I think things have changed now. Um, they even managed to get a concept trailer out, and this Singapore superhero is called Sacred Guardian Singa. Singa meaning lion, because uh, we are called Singapore, and it's based on a Sanskrit word. Uh, singer, which is Lion City. So uh, it's a kind also of like a ears. lion uh, yeah. themed superhero with a suit, like a Kamen Rider type. And um, they had a trailer out, which was launched during Singapore Comic Con. Uh, no, I think it was launched after Singapore Comic Con. And then um, we were we had an idea of what it was about. There were some 
spirits. There was uh, uh, somebody has to hold them, get the mantle to uh, get the spirit of this singer and then uh, fight against the evil. There was this um, doctor, uh, Gulin, who is trying to get a, a crown. Uh, it was the evil guy's crown. And uh, so there was this trailer and then some people are saying that, oh, the acting is really hammy, you know, like bad acting, but that's what Tokusatsu is about. So, um, and I think it created some excitement um, within the locals because, you know, we, we always absorb pop culture from elsewhere, especially America. Um, and it's really nice to see somebody, a group of people able to like fuse together the history of uh, our region as well as our country together to form this character. And then um, some mythology behind that and have an idea that is um, able to you know, produce something. I, I think they are now, uh, because of the lockdown, they are not able to film anything more. Um, but now that it's different, I think they have some rules where they can go on filming uh, currently. I think they have a desire to, to get this, out, this idea out to the production companies to see if anybody's willing to make this into a full TV series. Um, there wow. are some Tokusatsu fans in the world, so this is like creating a, a quite a, a bit of a buzz actually on social media. Um, I think I want to get this out to the Western world as well because I know there are Tokusatsu fans out there and who may not know about Secret Garden Singer. Uh, other than that, they have um, it's already in the works and going to be printed soon uh, on pre-order now. It's actually the prequel comic of this mythology and it's called Secret Guardians with an S because it's about how the many other guardians uh, have this battle between the good and evil. Um, I think many, many centuries before the so-called TV series uh, Guardians. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we, we've got, we've got Basil Yeo, Yeo's watching yeah. actually. And uh, is saying number one, thanks for the shout out. Also <laughs> uh, jumping in as well. Um, we yeah, pitched this on local TV network, still waiting right. for the outcome. Good luck, Basil. Hopefully, yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, we're really excited about, and they did a live stream to, um, connect, you know, like, you know, you're kind of lonely during lockdown. All the gigs are like introverts. And I think I really appreciated that they had a series of live streams and, you know, you could talk to the actors who were cast for this um, this series and then for the producers as well. And, you know, it's like you're connecting with each other again. And I think that was really, I think I felt nice after the, the, the live streams, you know, you felt like connected to the world again, rather than just at home doing your own thing. And um, other companies are also doing that so like publishers local publishers and they were having a live stream called thing big comics then and they put together creators to uh, do workshops for for people who want to learn more about how to write comics draw comics um they also had um, book launches like the one that i talked about the prequel comic as well as others um i think it was a good way a uh, so-called singapore comic con read was also involved in this so they kept us updated on how they will continue to um, uh, promote as well as, uh, you know, support the local creatives here. Um, the art scenes here is still very niche and, you know, very uh, small. 
I think people are generally and, and worse still, the art scene is small and then the comic scene is even smaller. So uh, it's a really, really niche uh, group of people and uh, we are try, trying to connect and support each other as much as we can during this time. And Singapore Comic Con is doing their best as well. They have a, uh, they created an online directory called Shop From Home so that people can buy the art work from the exhibitors that used to uh, work with them. So I think that's, that's, that's kind cool. of, yeah, that's Well, I mean, it, it, it's something I'm going to um, ask, uh, sort of like dovetail into uh, in, a, in a while. So, I mean, uh, certainly have a think about this because um, uh, we'll come back to it, um, Tina. Because um, here in the UK and in the US, we're very much um, in a lockdown when it comes to our comics industry. And uh, we're only just now starting to get books back into the stores. And we've had this, um, uh, the, the news about DC. We haven't really heard about um, the comics uh, landscape in Singapore and in uh, that uh, area of the world, um, in terms of how books have still been going out, if at all. So uh, we'll, yeah. come, we'll come back to that. Yeah, we'll come yeah. back to that. But for yourself, for yourself Fred, then um, I mean, the things that have been keeping you occupied and uh, keeping you moving forward. I mean, Action Presence is the one that I've been paying attention to the most. Um, if you could uh, talk to us about that, because uh, I'm well, you see, you're doing that. <laughs> You're doing that, and then I'm about to do this because uh -oh. we actually have hey, a bit of a graphic. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So please give us the, the give us the elevator pitch. So these two. So this is uh this is real history, fake jokes, as we like to say. Uh, full color comics by me and Ryan Dunleavy, known for comics or comics, natural philosophers, or anything else. Uh, these t are technically middle grade books. They're for ages 8 through 12, but I like to think of them as literally all ages. So if you're into history, you're into great stories, these books are for you. The, the Wash and Lincoln books came out previously as black and white books. They are out as of last Tuesday in color, and then in two weeks or next week, I think, uh, the next two books, which are about Theodore Roosevelt and John F. Kennedy, will come. I mean, yeah, we've got the, those on screen we as go. well. There there you we go. go. Uh, I mean, the the, the, the tagline caught my attention with the, uh, the the real history fake jokes, and we've got horrible histories here in the uh, the UK, which you may of may know of in the, in the states. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the yeah, that very kind of um, acerbic take on history. I Is thought that you meant what in general. Like, this? don't be so hard on the UK. Everyone's got horrible history. <laughs> <laughs> See, I keep, I keep yeah. forgetting that people have heard of horrible histories outside of the UK. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, remember, I remember seeing them. I did a signing in London at uh, at our, our pals at Gosh Comics, and I remember seeing their ads for them in the tube, and I was like, how can I get Subway ads? <laughs> 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 Jeez. So, I mean, with, 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 with horrible histories, it's a little bit more of an acerbic take on history. What's the kind of take that you've gone for with Action Presence? I think, I mean, I think acerbic is a good way of putting it. I, it's very, yeah. uh, uh, we like to say irreverent, but accurate. So it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of jokes, but a lot, but we don't, you know, soft pedal any of the harder stuff, either in the individual biographies or sort of in American history in general. Uh, so we like to give people truth, but we also like to to. I mean, to me, the whole the whole basis of comedy is truth. So the the two things are very kind of like um, uh, dovetail very nicely. I, I like to think of it as you're being told a story by your wise, your biggest wise ass friend, who's <laughs> good at you know good at making you laugh while telling you what what happened. You know. 
And with Ryan's terrific artwork, of course. So which which books are available now? I mean, you were talking about the first two. Those were black and white, but now um, yeah. they're out as a color printing. The the uh, We have a very large uh, chain here in the United States called Walmart. And so yes. uh, at the behest of Walmart, the first two books came out two weeks early. So uh, God bless Walmart. They're still open because they sell groceries. So <laughs> when, you're, when you're out there getting milk, <laughs> grab your action presidents. Uh, and then... But then in, uh, in uh, less than 10 days, next Tuesday, not this coming Tuesday, but the following Tuesday, uh, Teddy Roosevelt and Jonathan Kate will be, JFK will be available. So. Nice. So. Um, I'm certain the question has been asked on numerous occasions, and you're going to get it again now. So, um, yes, uh, is, there, uh, is there going to be a president upcoming that perhaps you would be <laughs> uh, willing to do an action president's uh, issue about? Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, I've been, Ryan and I have been doing history comics since 2003, so we're now on year 17 of this. So uh, I, I find it's easier to tell stories about dead people, histories about dead people, because their stories are over. I mean, the living uh, are, their, their stories are not yet over, and so unfortunately, like, Trump's story is not over. Uh, but, well, um, he's, he's dead inside. Sorry? He said inside. <laughs> he's, dead, he's dead inside. That's true. But that's, you know, <laughs> It's uh, like a headless chicken. His body is just going to keep moving forward indefinitely, unfortunately. Uh, we I think it's also a little bit difficult to, to kind of take an irreverent take on something which is still ongoing and is still very sore for a lot of people. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I tend to avoid stuff like that has happened. Like, I think 10 years is a good, you know buffer to sort of like yeah. let let the let this you know anything more recent than 10 years is essentially journalism which is not really what i do i do Fair enough. History. uh but uh uh yeah so um i want to do fdr i mean there's a lot of great pre like interesting presidents like originally it was supposed to be fdr at jfk but i made them do teddy Rose, like the action president you know just look at that i'm trying to like sorry my cat is lying on my props so i have to like <laughs> very careful when he gets bit. Uh, but I mean, look, he's just coming right at you, right? Uh, oh, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see if there are more. Uh, we filled our contract. These books, each book is 110 pages, full color, uh, with some with great backup materials. And, and we signed the contract in 2014. So this is J June 16th will be the culmination of a six year long journey to create these books. <laughs> so, fair enough. Uh, our next project is the oft aforementioned uh, history of animation. So Fair enough. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to also work out what your kind of like the cutoff point would be. I mean, uh, people have asked obviously about uh, Trump, but I can imagine kind of maybe Reagan would be the, the when you talk sure. about that kind of yeah, I mean, through Reagan time. Would be interesting. Um, I would still rather do FDR. I'd still, I'd really like to uh, Andrew Jackson, who was like, a great sort of son of a bitch, but also kind of a great character onto his own, <laughs> writing, you know, like he was a real bastard person. And sometimes the villains are more interesting to write about than the heroes, you know, that they, they get, they get into more stuff. Um, but, uh, uh, Reagan would be interesting. I, I LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson would be, I think very, very interesting. He's a much he's a more recent president. Um, That'd be cool. And in terms of your writing, uh, I mean, like I say, we had that uh, 
Uh, mention of the con artist at the be beginning. Um, it, is, it is a great book. Uh, Thank you. I am, I, I'm a, I am a huge fan of it. Uh, it I'm, I, I mean, we've talked about it uh, on the show before, but I am going to say one more time, guys, if you've not read it, uh, if you love Comic-Con, if you love San Diego Comic-Con, if anything, there's one thing about the con artist, you can actually, I mean, you talk about, um, you recognize the bar or you recognize a, a street yeah. which has been described. This is the bit where you would read it and you would recognize the area of uh, pavement you have slept on for Hall H. <laughs> That's how detailed the book is. It goes all, it, it's quite, it's very much for us as fans. Um, well, since you can't I've, go I've, there, I've, right? <laughs> you know. Exactly. Oh, no, that's the reason why I've gone, I've taken it back off the shelf. It's uh, kind of, uh, I've been reconsuming all the San right, Diego Comic Con. You tweeted about that fairly early in the pandemic, as I recall. Yeah. Um, so, actually on so the, the, like, I don't want to, like, I'm trying to find the thing. Uh, it is on sale. Today is the last day, believe it or not. There's oh, an ebook. Okay. There's an ebook deal. Uh, I'm assuming a quirk books um, that ends today. If it's four ninety nine, I don't mean to do the hard sell, but but there you go. Got uh, it. I, on sale for yeah. five bucks right now. So yeah. now you have uh, in terms of the right. Writing then is, I mean, is there any other um, books uh, that, you know, non-comics, non-animation, any of the books? Yeah, that's, uh, I, I have a novel on the, on the, on the while we were uh, uh, here in lockdown and it's went out to the agent, it's gone out to editors, so see what happens. See what happens. Um, I, I mean, it's great to hear that... Um, like I say, you're still you're producing uh, across many genres and many uh, medias, and that's it's great that there's all this um, output coming from you. And th then again, of course, it's a case of getting stuff out into the stores, and it's been great to see um, a number of creators um, really kind of supporting the bricks and mortar stores yes. um, with stuff like uh, creators for comics. Um, but those stores are finding themselves very much against up against the wall and it's also going to kind of get a little bit harder as well with this um latest uh, announcement with dc right there yeah. um uh, stepping away from diamond as somebody who knows the industry well who knows the players and knows the landscape what was what was the first reaction from yourself when you heard the news on friday um i mean so it's hard not to draw. Have I sprung this on you? <laughs> no, no, I, no, not at all. I mean, it's something I've been thinking about since Friday. I, I, I it's hard not to draw parallels. Nineteen ninety-five. I mean, as we said at the top of the show, I did. I do a lot of comics history work and I wrote the topic history of comics. Absolutely. Uh, with the off-mentioned Mister Dunleavy, uh, and it's hard not to draw parallels. Nineteen ninety-five, in which in, an, in a sort of misguided attempt to seize market share. Um, Marvel's corporate parents decided to go exclusive to their own distributor and and essentially nearly destroyed the entire direct market and sort of ironically that is why Diamond ended up being the sole distributor of you know English language comics at least in North America uh, was as a result of the cascading domino effect of disaster that was Marvel attempting to do its own distributor with Heroes World so the, the historical parallels are not promising, particularly because if some of the rumors that Rich Johnson's been been uh, 
describing are true. It looks like yeah. this once again is another attempt by uh, corporate, the corporate parent to kind of manipulate the direct market in their favor. And the direct market is really a very fragile thing. Um, uh, and uh, uh, sorry, I, I'm sorry if I'm distracting you with the, the bottom graphics, but oh no, he's asking right, about your book. Right, I'm I'm Oh, read my book. I hope you enjoy it. It's the con artist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it, it definitely seems like that we're in a situation where DC is tired of being second fiddle to Marvel um, with Diamond and has now kind of um, decided to go its own path. And in the middle of it... I certainly believe them when they say that they that this is in the works for a long time. It just seems like when we're in the middle of a global pandemic and depression, yeah, I question the timing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, where about whereabouts in the corporate structure do you think this decision came from? Did it come from DC or did it come much higher up? Do you think? Well, I, you know, I, I don't have any special insight that either that anyone on this panel or anyone listening to this live chat sure. will have. I've just read the same stuff everybody else has. I mean, but I would assume there's no coincidence that Dan Didio was fired a couple of weeks ago. Like, I'm assuming yeah. this is all part of the same. So it's obviously above him, right? And it's above the DC level. So, you know, if DC added the direct market to the book market sales and the digital sales, I think they would probably be trouncing Marvel's ass on the sales charts. But for whatever reason, the sales chart people fixate on is the diamond one. I feel like they're kind of using a nuclear weapon when they should be using a fly swatter. Like I feel like there's a way to kind of change the narrative. There was a way to change that narrative to benefit DC that didn't involve blowing up diamond, but this is the path they've chosen to take. Yeah. And I, and th that it's all about reporting to the corporate parent. I, I'm just, that's just my interpretation based on the rumors that I've read on bleeding pool and elsewhere. So I don't claim to have any special yeah. knowledge as to the inner work of DC at all, but based on what it yeah. using it, historical precedent, uh, this strikes me as a move. This is part of an intra corporate uh, battle, you know, where people maybe in the structure of DC are kind of sick of producing floppy comics. I mean, another much more recent um, ex example of a corporation doing something like this would be because a lot of people think, oh, well, they're making money at, at DC Comics, it turns a profit, so leave them alone. Like, who cares? I mean, be, and the answer is, is that for a lot of people, it's not that you're not making money, it's you're not making enough money. For example, yeah. I used to work, I used to do a lot of work for Marvel Games and Disney, excuse me, I did work for Marvel Games and the Disney through, through Disney Games, but Disney shut down its entire interactive division in 2016. It was making money, but they decided it wasn't making enough money, so they literally just shut the division down, fired everybody, and absorbed the survivors into, believe it or not, the theme park division. So what's left of the video game division has been completely absorbed by the Imagineers. Wow. And they're all working on the theme. I, I mean, I, I knew about the shutdown because it was also um, kind of tied in with um, LucasArts as well. And 
uh, that whole area of the the, the yeah. games production. Uh, I mean, the, the LucasArts obviously was the big headline at that point because there well, were, yeah. like you say, a number of incredibly popular games that were still selling. Um, but I didn't know about the the Imagineer uh, element. I didn't know that's where yeah. the, uh, the so they are literally now working on technology for the theme parks. Um, like you know, if you've been to a Disney park recently. You know, you standing in line and there's like games you can play, right, with your phone and there's trivia and stuff. Those are all being designed by the former Disney games people, which is much, obviously, infinitesimal small division. And now Disney's had to absorb the Fox video game uh, division. So God knows how that's. So good luck to those people. I know some of those people. Good Lord. I, I, they, do, I, they do well. But, uh, but yeah, so this strikes me as, as just a situation where um, – the the there's there's an internal AT and T Warner Brothers DC sort of struggle and this is sort of playing out in the direct market and at the behest of people who don't let's be very blunt have very little interest in the bookmark in the direct market yeah they see the future as YA digital bookstores and all that stuff um, and maybe your friend frustrated with the stranglehold the direct market still has over, you know, how people think about DC Comics. That's sure. my uh, totally, and I, again, no, I want to stress, completely ignorant speculation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've been trying to read as much as I possibly can from all sorts of uh, uh, quarters when it comes to this whole situation, and it really does smack of... Um, the the people who are going to get the absolute roughshod end of this, the, the very much the the pointy end of the shitty stick, is the retailers um, in terms of um, distribution tax, uh, in terms of actually just the dealing with the companies which DC have gone in with. Uh, apparently, the, getting them on a phone or to respond to an email is. Um, difficult enough as it is. I'm curious. I'm really curious to see how the whole thing is just going to fall out. And the reason why I was asking about where do you think in the corporate ladder the decision was, the fact that it, although it's very clear that it's, it has been something that's been long-term gestating and it's not something they would have just uh, conjured out of the blue, it feels like it's a, a short-term thinking plan. Um, it doesn't seem kind of fully baked um if if that's um one way of thinking about it the one thing that i think people don't really understand whether and i think that fans are as uh don't think about this as much as maybe even the corporate higher-ups in, in warners and at&t think about which is the direct market bank world the most expensive thing in comics production is talent right forget you know printing and shipping and everything else. The most expensive single expense in creating comics is paying the writers and artists to make them. And the direct market for decades has underwritten that. That's where you get graphic novels from, is that graphic novel is pure profit in many cases uh, because it's already been paid for by retailers and fans who buy their, their monthly floppies. That at least is, was my experience at Marvel. I don't know if DC, how DC's situation is there. I don't know what DC is paying people to create these YA graphic novels that they wanted to shift towards. I don't know sure. if they're going to have revenue to justify the production of the level of graphic novels they're currently making if they take away the direct market and the money that, that brings in. Because it's not sure. just 
literal dollars and cents, it's also cash flow because that money is flowing from the direct market to the creators and then you can book. Now you can take the book and send it to the Barnes and Nobles and Amazon. Uh, I don't know. It's it, we're very much entering unknown territory as to whether or not the bookstore market is is robust enough, frankly, to support um, creators at the level they're used to being supported in the in the comic book direct market. My experience yeah. is that book publishers are not willing to pay as much for anything, <laughs> much less. <laughs> so I don't, you know, I don't know where is the where. Where is the financial incentive for creators, you know, if you take away monthly page rates? It's kind of my bottom sure. bottom line. It's the direct market that underwrites monthly page rates. You take away monthly page rates, you may find the production pipeline gets gets in trouble. But I don't know. I I, I think Boom, IDW, Dark Horse, Image are going to get a very quick influx of some very good creative talent, I think. Um, well, as they start. This is a good point. That's a good point. Um, Tina, um, I mean, I, we alluded to it before we kind of uh, went yeah. to it, Fred, in terms of what the, um, the Southeast Asian market is for the comics and how that's gone. Uh, in terms of the, the, the books going out to stores and um, how the engine has been turning, What's it been like in, in, in your part of the world? Um, are people starting to go back out and get comics again, uh, read the, the, the books? They're still on uh, phase one, so there's no retail stores open as well. That's not right, okay. Yeah. Um, as I said, the market is really a niche market. And if you talk about uh, comics per se, the manga, the manga yeah. market is much bigger. So let's just... Get that one out of the way. So totally. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Thing. So we are talking about Western English comics, and yeah. it's really even like you kind of like know who are the people who will buy every yeah. week. Like I know these guys, and and um, I'm personally not really much of a superhero, so I'm more more of a graphics novel person. But since I'm in part of the community, I know these people, and there are only like about maybe four or five comic stores. Um, two of them maybe popular ones and then the rest are like you know if i can't find this or I, I i'm more loyal to this one i'll go to that one but um since it's all locked down so people can't buy their comics uh, i think one of them did manage to send something to those that have comics on order and he delivered some of the packs to them this week i guess because we were on partial lockdown so he's able to get some delivery done um but the rest is like, you know, I think everything's stall mode. You can't do anything at all. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, here here in the, 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 the Western market, obviously, like we mentioned about the, uh, the creators for comics and the way that the community has rallied around those kind of the stores yeah. and the bricks and mortar stores. What's it been um, like in Singapore for um, the support that the, the stores have had? I mean, are they going to be having the similar kind of situation where we may not see them reopening once pandemic is lifted. Yeah, I think people are concerned with that as well because the longer this goes on about the retail, uh, retail is <laughs> dying and uh, they need some uh, reopening to be able to survive. Uh, hopefully the phase two that we are talking about will help them somewhat. Although we do not know what social distancing rules they have to follow again. Um, 
But then uh, I need to add on that in Singapore, though, uh, not just the comic book stores, uh, you know, Kinokuniya is also here, and they are quite a popular bookstore. Um, they have a large, a sizable section on comics uh, and graphic novels. And personally, I, I usually buy from there because I buy some other stuff as well, and then I buy the comics from there. So um, th that's quite interesting because in the previous, like maybe when I was younger, uh, bookstores don't sell comics. They hardly do. And it's like when we saw that Kinokuniya was selling comics, like, oh, yeah, you know, there's an alternative <laughs> place for us to buy. And uh, what we can, especially if you have, you are buying books as well and you get discounts together, you know, things like this. So um, we are just all hoping that the retail industry will be able to survive, including these bookstores and comic book shops. Uh, now that Diamond is no longer the distributor for DC as well, I think some of them are concerned because of how the shipping costs will be. It'll be more expensive. Already comics here aren't like $4.99 or something, you know. It's like US, uh, sing dollar maybe. It can go up to $20, $30, which is USD more than ten dollars. I remember signing of shipping. <laughs> I remember signing in New Zealand, and I was just stunned at how expensive the comics were. They were handing yeah. me to sign because like, it's the it's same. Like, comics are very really expensive, yeah. so it's not like people can just swipe one copy and oh, that's your book for the comic for the day. It's not possible. It's like an investment. Yeah. And um, so yeah, we, uh, they are concerned. I think I've already saw some kind of like you know Eric on my Facebook. Uh, so I'm not sure how this is going to pan out or how reliable these distributors are going to be concerning overseas shipping. Yeah. The, and to speak to Tina's point, uh, just to really lay it out for people, the problem is, is that a comic book retailer gets a discount on the stock they order based on sheer volume of, yeah. of comics. DC is about 30% of the market. So when you take away DC, not only and put them over here to a totally different yeah. shipping regime, not only are you now paying more for DC Comics because they're out of your the batch that you're buying for Diamond, you're, you're paying more for your Diamond Comics as well because you've now sucked out 30% of your order, thus reducing order volume. So now all comics are more expensive. In a time period when stores are locked down, people are scared to leave their houses and go to the, go to the store, and... You know, it's not like floppies were doing gangbusters in the first place, even before no. this started. So it's just kind am of. I, am I the only person who buys floppies? <laughs> <laughs> am I no, the only God person who buys, buys floppies? Absolutely not. There are at least 100,000 of them. Kidding. <laughs> Maybe a bit more. But, but uh, uh, globally, there's more. Absolutely. But, uh, uh, but thank you for supporting the industry. Uh, but, oh. but but the the challenge for a retailer is now suddenly not only do I now have you given me, made me do more paperwork and now I got to deal with a distributor you've uh, you've suddenly made my entire stock more expensive it's and and I've slightly more shipping costs as well so that's really the problem it's not even so much I love diamond you know people love love diamond. Uh, but uh, thank you, Sir Lister. Everyone who buys floppies, we love you. Um, and hey, I buy floppies sometimes myself. 
But uh, but then I've been a trade rate waiter since like 1992, so I'm not the person to talk. Yeah. Uh, but a total <laughs> convention. Hi, my name is Fred. <laughs> I'm a combo creator and trade waiter. Uh, but uh, uh, but uh, um, but yeah, the, the problem is, is is DC has made everyone's bills go up. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Even even uh, if that, I mean, even if that's a ends up being a net positive somehow, I don't know how. But if it somehow, even if it somehow ends up being a net positive. That is why people are upset. Sure. I mean, it's it's more painful during this time, during the pandemic, when people are making losses already, or, you know, the months of business closure that they have to suffer. And then now this, it's it's not easy. 100%. Yeah. Um, Karen Sessions asking a good question, and we might as well just clarify this. Uh, Sorry for my ignorance. What are floppies? I watched um, a comic book industry. podcast yesterday where a retailer had to apologize for calling them floppies because within the industry it's it feels very dismissive to call them that single issues floppies um and therefore um your trade paperbacks a little bit more solid but yeah. uh, single single issues um if you want to be really yeah, I, if you call them pamphlets oh really <laughs> Okay, I've I've not heard that and one before. Yeah, okay, that, 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 that's, another one. that one's new. Single okay. issues. Um, single issues, indeed. You've got uh, into the boom, Mister, uh, explaining that. Uh, under English, I have twenty-two long boxes of floppies. I'm not that far away, but I'm working on it. Um, also, you've got uh, Solicitor Smeg and Sir Andrew English making some pretty good points. Uh, Solicitor Smeg, I feel it might hurt them in the short term, but breaking Diamond's Monopoly will foster competition and that usually lowers uh, costs. Um, actually, that's yeah. a very important point that I would like to jump into right now. With all due respect, Solicitor Smeg, uh, you are misstating the situation. That No monopoly has been broken here. Uh, you would break a monopoly if you had two distributors, each with the same product line, that stores could choose from and then those two distributors could compete with each other. What you have who are here now are two monopolies. You have uh, two stores, because don't forget, the two distributors DC is u- are using are not competing with each other. They've actually split the North American continent mm-hmm. in half, yeah. and one has been assigned the West and one has been assigned the East. So what you really have is DC has given its monopoly, taken its monopoly from Diamond and given it to this this. A cartel is that's literally what a cartel is, right? It's multiple <laughs> businesses correspond, you know, conspiring to control the market. So DC has got its little cartel with its two distributors, who I feel compelled to point out are owned by t- the two biggest online retailers and are therefore the two largest diamond accounts. If as if we needed another layer of crazy to put onto this, is that you're asking, you know, the brick and mortar retailers to buy comics from their online competition. And to give them their customer information and their their sales data, you know, and they have every reason to be concerned about how those those outfits are going to use that data. But so you don't actually have more competition; you actually have less competition because you have two. Now you have two monopolies. You have the DC monopoly, yeah. and you have everybody else monopoly, the Diamond monopoly. So unfortunately, no monopolies have been broken. You just added another monopoly on top of the existing monopoly. Yeah. So you're really not. Uh, I, thought, I mean. I found it interesting when the pandemic um, happened and when Diamond closed their doors and uh, shut the retail, uh, the distribution um, offices. Um, here on the show, as fans and as people who read, I mean, we were discussing uh, the situation. We had the idea as poor, lonely um, comic book fans who are completely um, 
un, uh, unfamiliar with the full story and the ins and outs, we were thinking, ah, this could break the diamond monopoly. This could um, this could finally open things up to new distribution networks. We could finally see different um, avenues being explored and whatever. And when we were talking about that with other fans, that's the conversation that came up. And then we had Jimmy Palmiotti on, and we had Dave Johnson on, and we had um, uh, Jared Le um from OK Comics, and we were mentioning about the breaking of the diamond. Could this break diamond? And they were yeah. just going, "We don't want actually. We don't actually want that. We like diamond a lot. Um, it's all. It's very easy. It's one form. We press a button. The books come through. They're great to talk to. They've supported us all this time. My attitude to diamond has changed over the course of the last two months. Uh, my take on what they do, and I'm like I say, I'm really curious to see." how this will work in pro and for, uh, pro and cons in yeah. Diamond's uh, perspective. As Steve Jeppy pointed out, you know, in a recent online forum, is that he actually made more money back in the 90s when there was Capital City and all these other, you know, uh, distributors. Having a monopoly is not necessarily good for Diamond. I mean, again, ironically, it was DC's idea to go to Diamond in the first place in 1995. So... It's sort of like DC's create, created one situation in the 90s and others created, trying to create a new situation in the 2020s. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, the, a lot of the, I think, hostility towards Diamond is, A, if you're an independent creator, um, Diamond is a gatekeeper and, and, whether, and they det determine whether or not they're going to take your product. Now that there's the internet, yeah. I feel like that's a kind of a silly thing to hold against them because you're going to get one more people on Tumblr anyway, you know. Uh, yeah. And the, the second reason is, is that because they're the only game in town, if you get a if your your shipment of Watchmen absolute gets all messed up and you know the the dust covers are ripped and the corners get bent, you're gonna blame them, right? There, but there's no the physical job of the distributor is still gonna be the same whether it's Diamond doing it or Lunar or or I forgot the name of the other one, the other DC yeah. UCS or whatever it is. Uh, they're Midtown and discount comic services who they really are but anyway uh it's still that's still something they're gonna have to challenge with so so the the hostility of diamond is more like you know um <laughs> forgive me for using a metaphor it's like hostility towards american imperialism right they're just kind of everywhere and they're the, the big game in town and yes they do terrible things but you know who do you want running yeah your <laughs> As I was saying that, I'm sorry. That's a terrible analogy. <laughs> well, I'm trying. I'm I'm trying to remember the uh, the Douglas Adams analogy um, of the voting for the the, the right lizard. Um, That's because right. It's, the, 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 whichever happens, a lizard's going to get in. Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's terrible. Example, Leon Day. Diamond has never killed anybody. So. I retract that. Yeah, absolutely. I apologize for preparing that. For the idea. <laughs> probably, a, yeah, probably a good idea on that one. I apologize. Leanne D saying, uh, Fred is elegantly explaining what it would have taken me forever to type, Thank so you. there you go. Um, Solicitor Smeg, if you call them pamphlets, riots might start That's again. Right, 100%. <laughs> you know, we already had enough riots here in the United States. And I am, I, I am being told off by Toby, uh, hey, Leonard, breaking the bindings there. Okay, Sorry about that. But, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll behave and I'll, I'll look after myself when it comes after my books. But there we go. Um, I only wanted to keep you guys for an hour. 
and I know it's getting very, very late now for Tina, so I think we'll, uh, we, could, we could carry on going. Um, but it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. Um, it's been great to get some real perspective, certainly on a global, um, uh, to make this a global conversation, which I think uh, we need to do more of. As the pandemic goes on and as lockdown goes on, the conversations seem to get more and more um, insular, if you know what I mean. Yes. We're looking uh, across the internet at various yeah. subjects but it's all very much from a, a a bit of a bubble but it's great to kind of open up the conversation yeah. a bit so there we go um before we let you go um tina if you want to explain to people where people can find you online and what you get up to yes um i go under the brand name of red.diva so you can find me on facebook instagram twitter uh and um i blog about pop culture but i try to concentrate on what's happening in singapore and focus on creators that are from here or from the region of southeast asia and um that's that's where you can find me i'm online all the time <laughs> <laughs> excellent stuff thank you very much indeed for that and fred where can people find you online let's bring this up on screen one more time action presence right. is what i'm showing there but there's plenty of uh, things that you're up to yeah Action presidents. Where can people find you online, sir? Uh, Fred Van Lenti. Uh, if you can spell my name, it's on the screen. That's me on Twitter. That's me. Uh, I'm fredvanlenti.com. Uh, that's my Facebook. It's also my email. <laughs> should should I tell people that? I don't know, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah. And, Congratulations. Uh, I'd like to see what your inbox is going to be like. <laughs> that's right. Con, the con artist is, is on sale. Uh, the last day is today for five bucks. Ebook on quirkbooks.com. Right. Is does that sale also go for the audiobook? I have no idea. I don't think so, but uh I want to I, I want to hear this thing. I want to That's really Roger Wayne read the book. I know it's on Audible, so you can get it on Audible. That has really got my attention. Yes, absolutely cuz uh, like I say the um, my signed copy is um, one of my prized possessions. Lovely. There you go. You, you don't get this. Excellent. I assume you get at libraries. You don't get the cool con badge in the pool of blood, which I like. <laughs> Sorry, my screen, is, my screen is mirroring, so I don't know where to put my finger. So. Yes, uh, yeah. Um, guys, um, if I did a, an interview with Fred when the book was released, it does go into a little bit more about the, uh, the the tone of the book. If you want to find out more about it, search for the interview I did with Fred. We were at, in the uh, little London, room in the Docklands. Uh, in the, in the little room in, uh, the, in the Excel, absolutely. Um, it's, a, it's a very cool book in terms of the first, I'd say, third of it uh, is very much a kind of, it's a love letter to San Diego Comic-Con. And as the story goes on, it turns into not beyond a kind of like the, 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 the initial conceit of uh, a love, a, a murder mystery that takes place over the course of San Diego Comic-Con into some really interesting noir detectives areas. It's a very, very, very cool. The, the book almost, it, yeah, noir. the book evolves as you read it. It's very, very cool. But there we go. Right. Thank you very much indeed for joining us, Tina. Thank you very much indeed for joining us, Fred. We'll let you get off. It's been a pleasure talking to you. We'd love to get you back on at some point uh, sure. down the Absolutely. line. But uh, for now, it's been great to have you on. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks. Take care. Look after yourselves. Thank Bye. you very much indeed. So there you go. Um,
very, very cool. Do check out their stuff. I mean, we've had a great run of some really interesting people on uh, the the show this last couple of months, and those two are just amazing. So there we go. Uh, Into the Blue Mister. I don't know where to put my finger. Is going to be the quote of the day from Fred. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Solicitor Smeg has also got a comment. So we'll bring that up just to uh, we'll, we can discuss it uh, in the Q and A if you want to uh, make uh, any comments to this. Uh, Solicitor Smeg, I respectfully disagree. Technically, distributors have doubled you can't, doubled. You can't expect things to change in a day if more publishers follow and more distributors come out of the wood. The cost will come down. It's how this works for DC and if it works for DC. Um, The quote that came from a a retailer's podcast, which I saw on the Friday, literally as the the news dropped, was a case of, uh, I mean, the quote from Steve Jeppe, uh, who's the guy behind Diamond, um, those that don't pay attention to history um, are doomed to repeat it. This has been tried before. Um, To quote Battlestar Galactica, this has happened before and it will all happen again. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but there we go. Right. Um, thank you very much indeed for joining us for that. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to uh, Tina and Fred. We're going to do our show again on Wednesday as we are going to be bringing on Declan Shalvey and Alex Pacnadel. Um, this is going to be a cool one. Declan Shalvey is, of course, the award-winning artist behind some incredible books, including Moonlight, including... I mean, the list is endless. I mean, he's the stuff he's done, but also his recent book, Bog Bodies, which is just astonishing, uh, being uh, distributed by Image. Uh, it's going to be great to talk to him about what he's been getting up to throughout the course of the pandemic. But also, from the writer's perspective, we have Alex Pagnadel, uh, somebody who I have been hyping for a while and I feel could be the next comic superstar. Very, very cool indeed uh, to have those two on the same show. That's going to be on Wednesday. Now, we have yet to get a guest for next Sunday, but we have several people in the works. Watch this space. We'll get back to that. Um, Fingers crossed I get that email back from Rachel Hine from Nerdist, but we'll see where we go from that. But um, the Monday after, uh, on the 15th, I want to kind of mention about this because um, we are doing something a little bit special. Like I say, it's going to be on the... Um, uh, Tripwire uh, channels. We're going to be doing this on uh, their Facebook, their Twitter, and their YouTube. Um, I'd like to try and stream it to the Englishman as well, but uh, basically I've been involved as one of the judges for the uh, Tripwire Awards 2020. Um, It's going to be taking place, the uh, award ceremony, on Monday the 15th of June, a little bit later than we would usually be doing the live streams, so we'll be doing that for midday, uh, Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. GMT. So it's going to be very much more of the evening affair. I'm going to be a little bit more booted and suited. There will be a shave. There will be a glass of champagne to my side. So looking forward to uh, talking about this. Considering we've got some uh, great um, uh, presentations to give out, I mean, we've got ourselves uh, a number of categories, best writer, best artist, best cover artist, best colorist, best letterer, best new series sponsored by Ace Comics, best publisher, and best new talent, which is sponsored by my site. Uh, I've been, I wanted to give back and recognize the up and coming. So looking forward to uh, providing, providing that support by sponsoring the best new talent um, award. Best original uh, graphic novel, best collection, best editor, and best comics-related website and publication. And then we're also supporting the uh, those 
other than the big two. Uh, so we've got Best Small Press Independent UK and Best Small Press Independent US. So we've got those. But also we've got ourselves um, something which is uh, – I'm really excited about uh, kind of seeing what uh, you think of who's been uh, put forward. We're choosing two names from this role. Uh, the role of honour is Mike Mignola, Joe Kubert, Pat Mills, Alex Ross, P. Craig, uh, P. Craig Russell, Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, Louise Simonson, and Eric Stevenson. So we're talking editors, writers, artists, um, legends when it comes to the world of comics. Two of those are going to be selected uh, for the role of honour, and that's going to be that's going to be interesting when uh, we get the, those two announced. So that's really going to be rather cool. But that's going to be taking place Monday, the 15th of June. Um, please do join us for the award ceremony. Um, Wednesday, our chat with Alex Packnadel and Declan Shalvey. And then uh, something special for next Sunday. There you go. To be announced. TBA. Uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll do something a bit special with that. Let's see what we've got in terms of uh, last uh, comments. Uh, Dan Berry. Uh, Louise, but no Walt. Um, this is the votes and nominations that have come in. Uh, obviously, uh, there's been a lot of uh, fans of Louise's editing and also her writing on X-Men, perhaps. So who knows? Uh, Into the Blue, Mr. Leonard opens the envelope next Monday, and the award goes to Best Online Content, an Englishman in San Diego. Um, myself, Joel with uh, Tripwire, and also um, the other judges as well, we have taken our stuff out of the equation. We, ours have not gone into the running. So no um, no fruit being thrown in my direction, thank goodness. Um, Andrew English, uh, universal silicon keyboard, protective film for laptops is what Leonard needs. Um, I am tempted to put a lot of cling film everywhere. Two glasses of champagne in, you, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, Solicitous Meg, I won't root for, root for Ross, just for you. Um, listen, I'm a fan. I like and love Alex Ross's artwork. Maybe it's just him and his publicist I'm not too friendly with. <laughs> Who knows? But there we go. It's going to be fun. Do join us um, and... Uh, as we get closer, um, certainly over the course of this next week, I will be pushing the uh, Tripwire social media so you can join us for it. It's also going to go out hopefully on my um, Facebook page, and I'll try and we'll try and share it as far as we can. But it's definitely going to be going out on Tripwire magazine on their Facebook, their YouTube, and their Twitter. So do follow Real Tripwire uh, certainly on um, Twitter, Periscope, and I think Tripwire magazine on YouTube. I'll find the links and get them shared for you. But there we go. Thank you very much indeed for watching. It's getting up to half past now. I'm going to get off and enjoy the rest of my Sunday. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday as well. Like we discussed on the podcast, these are strange and interesting times. Um, they're challenging for some. They are frustrating for many. But hopefully together we can all come together. And um, well, let's just try and get through this. Um, and let's see if we can do this, get through this with some real change at the other end. Uh, when it comes to the pandemic, um, let's hope that th we have some real change in terms of how we deal with this in the future, how we deal with each other in the future. Um, and in terms of the, uh, the protests, I hope we get some real systemic change uh, because I think we all recognize it's all needed. 
things that we didn't uh, uh, see uh, talk about, did we? We didn't talk about uh, London Film and Comic Con. It has been postponed, uh, moved further up, uh, back into the year, but it is still going ahead by all accounts. Um, Andrew English is saying, nice to see that it's moved. Now it's time for uh, Wales Comic Con. That's down to Jame and also the organization. They had their online event uh, this weekend, but we'll see how that goes. Um, what else? I think that's pretty much us. Do take care, stay safe, look after each other, wash your hands, and hopefully we'll see you on Wednesday for another Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. For myself, Leonard, to you, all the best, lots of love, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.